Welcome to Podmon Adventure Zero Two, the podcast where when you get sad, it rains. Today we are watching episode 15 of Podmon Adventure Zero Two, episode 69, he he he, of the franchise Big Trouble in Little Edo. And I'm here. Nolan is here with his little black book with his with his th- thoughts and diuretics inside. And uh, spelled T O T H O T S. Sorry, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a thing. But first, um, what's what's new in your world, buddy? Well, I just lost about an hour of a podcast I was working on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> um, but you know that's uh, neither here nor there. Well, it it's nowhere now. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, by the time you well, by the time you hear this, um, we will have re-recorded uh, the Halloween uh, Halloween. God damn it, Valentine's uh, Hall- <laughs> ha- is very scary. Yeah. Our Valentine's special of uh, End of Evangelion. Yeah, um, God damn. So yeah, terrifying. Not only that we had to watch it, but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, also its content. Um, and yeah, the lack of our our content uh, that. Went bye bye. Um, no, I. It's, it's heavy. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to process. It probably will would end up being like one of the longest episodes, at least in like the post Podmon world of this of this podcast, because there's so much to to dissect there. Um, but it's our PP era. Yeah, post Podmon. Uh, it was very, very much, uh, very much PP area, um, but we'll <laughs> we'll talk about that some yeah. other time. Um, yeah, one of my favorite things. We you'll hear that in the past. It. You will hear it in the past. You will have heard it. You will have heard it in the past. We promise. <laughs> For one of your favorite things. Yep. You're about to say one of your favorite things. Uh, Evangelion. Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Just yeah. as a as a concept. Uh. So I, I have a confession. Yeah. Um, I have been uh, I have been vibing on uh, on some boy genius for like the last for I guess this weekend. The band? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if I remember what they sound like. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of it's like very. Acoustic, folk driven. It's Phoebe Bridgers and right. uh, Julian Baker and like all like s- solo female artists who just did a band project together. Oh, and they call it Boy Genius because they're ironic and cool. Uh, there, yeah, like it's it is a like a a, a feminist like uh, reasoning behind the the name, but I thought they were just Jimmy Neutron fans. <laughs> Um, so yeah, <laughs> I got turned on to Phoebe because she did a cover of um of Bo Burnham's That Funny Feeling. Yeah. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Um and I had heard about about Boy Genius is kind of like in the in the Nexus. That's um, the only reason I know him. Yeah. Uh but then Gretsch just put out a Boy Genius or is about to put out a Boy Genius signature guitar. It's pretty fucking sick. I want it so bad. Um, Dude, I felt that way about the St. Vincent shape. I really love that shit. But yeah. the oh yeah, the 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. Like, it's almost like weirdly like uh, uh, yeah, cubist. The, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a shape that is very similar to the uh, what's his name, Albert King. Is that the shape? Oh, like the oh the uh, Bo Diddley. I think you're thinking of maybe. Yeah, that's that that weird ass like. Yeah, it's a weird like rectangle. Because I think Albert King would be like a, it's just like a flying V. Yeah, the that's that's the Bo Diddley. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I watched the the launch video of that guitar and uh, Julian, one of the girls, was just spent ten minutes just talking about like her philosophy on like why that guitar, like how she approaches guitar and like in an anti virtuosic kind of sense of just like expression and stuff. It's like yeah. oh, like okay, like I can vibe with this chick. She seems cool. Phoebe's cool. Yeah. So um so it's just like okay, what do they what do they sound like? Um and yeah, they've got some good good fucking tunes. I do think that like if there is any future of guitar driven music, it is and I say this, you know, to my own detriment as a uh not female well, but the future it, is female. Is that what you're about to in say? In rock and roll, I yeah, think so. Yeah, I think so. it has to be because I think that like that's one of the the only frontiers of like rebellion uh, remaining that can actually be like accessed by. I feel like Machismo has said everything that it has to say. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. We need a an era of like basically like feminine hair metal in, in that yeah. aspect of like where I think I think yeah the. In in a male perspective, hair metal was like trying to recoup a feminine image and usurp it basically from like right. a, being just a purely like uh, like just women being able to express themselves mm-hmm. with like makeup and and stuff, um, which yeah, it's a very like uh, skin deep sort of uh, for sure reasoning there. But the it in general, yeah, I do think like yeah, the the purpose, the value that rock has is giving voices to people who don't necessarily have one otherwise. Mm-hmm. And we could say that, like, with Boy Genius specifically... Right. Yeah, white white males for the, for 60 years definitely did not have a yeah. voice. <laughs> See, that's what, I'm, that's what I mean, though. Right. That, like, it's fucking... It, it, like, the only counterculture we would accept and, like, allow to have that that voice that they were, like, uh, aspiring to. Right. And I think this this tr- this traded hands from actual, like, rock musicians to various other genres. Right. But it has always been, like, this... Um, that spirit that I'm talking about is, like, you know, the thing that, like, was rebellious about listening to any kind of rock music in, mm-hmm. the, in the mid-90th... or 90s... or... <laughs> wow. In the mid-1900s. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, they're just passed hands through, like, into hip-hop and, yeah. and you know, punk and whatever. But, um, yeah, now it's time for that to be a, uh, you know, another another avenue of, uh, of expression. And I think that, that women are, you know, uniquely positioned to have that kind of uh, uh, expression laid at their feet. And I do think that, like... <coughs> Rock music in particular, or just, like, electric guitar-driven music, because I do think that rock in general is kind of an antiquated term. Like, we talked about this off-mic earlier, that rock is very nostalgic for itself. Yeah. So, like, whatever replaces that... We should call it fuck music. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, it's, well, that's, that's what, what rock, rock and roll is. means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you rock and then you roll. Right. But, the um, <laughs> but so, like, whatever form fuck music takes... Um, 
I do think that like it's race music. Fuck music. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it's it's progenitors do have to have been this in peculiar position in relation to uh like class and and status yeah. like it has to be like it's got to be white women right like br- i mean br- br- it doesn't have to like, be but broadly like I, I, not in the sense of like prescriptive like it it must be white women no but, exactly but in the yeah. sense that like they're the intersection of people that are being that like a, the public is willing to listen to right. and that are still able to embody this countercultural yeah. sort of of movement it's like something we are only going to afford to white women at this point in time right. i think yeah no for sure because like in the 1900s in the heyday of male driven rock it was working class and middle class men yeah, white men mainly who had stolen <laughs> right, right, their material yeah. from yeah, oh, the for e- sure. an even more legitimate form of cultural grievance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we're too far yeah. removed from from culture, like from the seat of power of culture, to actually like embed itself. You have to be close enough to those structures, like culturally, to make. An impact, but also far enough away that you can actually feel the ground and what's what's happening. And like I said, for a long time, that was working class and lower to middle middle class men. Now, us in that position, they're like you're so far removed, not in like in class or status or anything, but just in your in your capacity to socially ascend yeah and your agency like yeah like you're you are where you are as and you're there's really no upward mobility through art anymore so it has to be yeah from an already uh, a group that's already been given a level of exigence and that's i think why you know and i tend to like feel bitter about this a lot but you know the arts have in general, moved as they've been defunded in like public sectors and and whatnot, have moved into the hands of like the young bourgeoisie, like the yeah, inheritors oh sure. of of the the you know means of production from earlier times, or just people that can afford to have their name be known and not be buried, and and you know exist in alienation. And I do think that it is a step in the right direction for that to be inherited by you know, non, whoever is, like, further away from a white dude, you know? Right. Like, because, you know, ultimately, the way that our identity intersects with, like, class and politics is there's only so much that can be said from that one perspective. Right. And I do feel like that in in our, like, uh, music history, we have gotten to the point where the most uh, uh, poignant and... Uh, uh, of the time thing that a rock musician or uh, you know a fuck musician <laughs> right, right. can uh, uh, can say is to abdicate that level of connection to what the common man quote unquote thinks yeah. and to more and more hand that off. So why not instill that kind of like uh, uh, belief and and sort of pass the baton onto a new type of of musician that can embody this. 
this countercultural spirit. It is telling, though, that it has moved entirely from a level of, like, class to an identitarian structure. Yeah. You know, like, it's in, it's entirely, like, um, it's a given that we're talking about affluent, upwardly mobile, upper-middle-class women. Because yeah. those are the only people that are allowed to exist. It's like, it's this strange, like, like tiered effect where we, we have to, like, before we get any further, we have to by our admission assume that anybody yeah like you're talking about is has to be of this certain cast and then their identity gets to intersect with however they're interacting with with media right you know uh which yeah it fucking sucks but and and it's it's odd too because like yeah i mean there's like pale in the past and there's there's all the all this shit going on but i think it was more of a like uh Uh, just a uh, just an you know how like people's people's imaginations sort of like give the the boundaries for what they they expect in mm-hmm. life it, uh, it's obviously true in like rock music where like the assumption about women and their place in music was that they they wouldn't have the same kinds of like rebellious attitude right. or like fuck you spirit like uh, the shit that they would say about like people like Lita Ford and stuff like you know, she's a she's like a shredder mm-hmm. guitar player in the, in the '80s when hair metal was big, right? And she looked like everybody else playing hair metal, yeah, because they all had teased hair and fucking you know, mm-hmm. um, were wearing women's clothing. <laughs> but uh, she, you know, didn't get to have that same like perspective. You know, it's yeah. it's another place where like her her identity was intersecting uh, in like with her her place and culture in such a way that like caused her to receive ire for something that was seen as like a liberatory rebellious thing for a man to do at the time. Right. Very strange. So what the fuck is Little Edo, I wonder? What? We're, we're, we're about to have some big trouble in Little Edo. But <laughs> so what do you think that's about? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh fuck. Um yeah, uh well, so here's what's going to happen. Mm. Um in Little Edo, there is going to be a um uh descending from the heavens you know from this cosmology surrounding the earth there will be a great uh um uh, i guess you could call it an impact to <laughs> to kind of uh mirror the uh, initial impact that caused all of uh, digimon and, and humanity to to roam the earth um this beginning what will turn out to be a 15-year struggle <laughs> against the uh, end of humanity, uh, wherein uh, Digimon are forced to uh, hop into giant <laughs> mechs and uh, <laughs> get in the fucking Eva, <laughs> Vimon. <laughs> All right, no. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Um I don't. Neon Genesis V Mongolian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that seems that seems that seems as accurate as as I'm going to get out of you right right now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to go watch that, and we will be back in just a moment. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Welcome back. 
We're well, going digital. We are going. We are going digital. <laughs> um, yeah. M- major. Okay. So I like said before earlier today we tried to watch Evangelion for. Well, we, well, we, we did, did watch. We it. did watch it. We got about probably three quarters of the way through our uh, our review and analysis and all those things. Whenever the computer fucked us, we decided to just go and knock a couple of these out. So that's like <coughs> very that's where fresh. we're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> my. The tone. The tone <laughs> yeah, <is> God. <laughs> it's very different from where we just were. Um, Yoli still gives us some weird subtext yeah. the into, <laughs> into this. But yeah, there's a weird psychosexual drama uh, playing out behind this episode, uh, as there are behind every Digimon <laughs> episode. Right. Um, so... But we'll we'll try to keep on on brand as we uh, we talk about this episode. So Ken has completely taken over an, another area. Mm. Uh, dude gets a lot done now that he doesn't have a bedtime anymore. Yes, exactly. No, he's, um, he's he's gone digital. He's completely within the digital just, world just as we all will be in about fifty years time. Right. Yeah, that's optimistic. Um, <laughs> that it's going to be that long. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, we're already there. It's just boring. It's yeah, the first human accepted a Neuralink into his brain, and I'm sure that's going to go amazing. Yeah. Uh, Davis is playing with Demi Vimon in the bathtub, and Yoli is watching a news report on Ken's disappearance. Uh, yeah. They're all just e- emailing each other. It's hard to s- to tell if like if they have talk to text or if they're just saying things diegetically for the audience's like <laughs> I think that's, uh, um, yeah. benefit. That's what's happening. Um, and so uh, we see we cut to Shogun Gekomon, um, who is sleeping when a Gekomon comes in to tell him about the spire in their terimo- uh, territory. A bunch of Mushroomon and Floramon get. Yeah. Get ringed. They um, needn't have bothered, by the way. If Shokun Gekumon had stayed asleep throughout this whole episode, yeah. the the result would be the exact same. Right. <laughs> <He> <laughs> um so the okay, so the kids, particularly uh Kari and TK, have different clothes on for some yeah. reason. But it's like okay, so the new kids when they go to the digital world. They get on sick new digs. Kari and TK yeah. typically keep on the clothes they always have. Mm-hmm. But this time they get their regular like clothes back when they go to the digital world. So it's like, what was the point of this like redesign of, of Kari and TK? Which their clothes are like, I like the redesign. I wish they would... St- would stick with that if they're gonna yeah. like just go and make those like character models and stuff. Yeah, it's strange. I, I don't know. I don't, I, there's no... There's no diegetic explanation for that. Also, yeah, they all look cooler with the exception of Yoli, who looks like she's dressed for, I don't know, a rugby dressage. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they get to little Ito, I guess. Um, it's, it's kind of like got a classic... Yeah, uh, Ito-era Japan kind of vibes. Right. You know, the the time of ninjas, which apparently we've decided Shuriman is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll get there in just a second. We will. Uh, so the, the Floormon and Mushroomon have the kids surrounded. Um, Gatchamon hypnotizes one of the Floormon. Uh, yeah, cat toy hypnosis. Yeah. Um, 
first of all, where did that come from? I know, right? She's <laughs> never done it before. Right. And will she ever do it again? Who knows? Probably not. I'm going to say most likely, yeah. most likely not. Um, so, yeah, uh, we it's see... It's the digital world. Anything can happen. <laughs> right. Like this just one um, deuce ex machina ass pull that yeah. will never come up again, even though it would certainly be relevant at another point in the show, surely. But then it would get them out of a scrape that needs to be more scrapey. Uh, so, yeah, Ninja- Ninjamon shows up who is just a little ball um like just how how would you describe uh, ninjamon yeah um he's a red testicle with a sword yeah okay that's basically he's like the uh what was that uh that really disturbing digimon from the first oh nanimon yeah 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 it's like a nanimon had like a very uh um you know Generous to the audience disguise. <laughs> right, right. Um, the, one of the most annoying voices we've heard, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a Ninjamon, I mean. Uh, so, yeah. He, Ninjamon fights Shurimon. Uh, while the other kids, they don't digivolve their Digimon, and they're just tr- trying to fight off this horde of Mushroomon and um, and Floormon. When a Geckomon pops out of a manhole and helps the kids escape... Um, Shogun Gekkomon's plan to deal with the Digimon Emperor is to take a nap, yeah. basically, um, which is all he ever seems seems to do. Ninjamon puts a spiral on Shogun Gekkomon, and he just starts fucking the place up. He's rampaging. He just starts doing, rampaging. He's doing kaiju shit, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, TK says that... He's seen Shogun Gekkomon in action before, but no, TK, you haven't. Because Ty and Joe, so... so Yeah, Mimi and Sora, right? Right, right. Ty Ty disappears, he comes back, he finds TK, they find Matt and Joe at the restaurant. Yeah. Matt and TK go off, they find Izzy... Ty and Joe go off. They find Mimi, which is where they meet Shogun Geckomon, and then they yeah. all reconverge and they find Sora and all of that. So no, TK, you have never seen Shogun Geckomon in action, you little fucking liar. <laughs> maybe he's seen footage from the past, or maybe there was an interim scene, but <laughs> you know, uh, they don't give it to us. So TK, yeah, uh. I, I I think that's a, I think that's just a a dubism like, yeah. Um, the writers thought he should know. Right. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, we get about three minutes of, of padding here of, of Digivolution, which, it's always, like, it's always rough, but I think it's the roughest with the armors, because, like, they take so long, and they're the least dynamically interesting Digivolutions that we yeah. that we have, like uh, fucking Digmon's transformation is just like he gets covered in shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. He just yeah, <laughs> he just gets covered in like caramel. Yeah, because like the actual transformations themselves are pretty much akin to a champion. It's just like it's a thing, and then it's the other thing. But like the you fact see that flashes it has of all these other cooler yeah, Digimon, honestly. yeah, we have to drag it out through the flashes of the. F- of the form of the Digimon that they're taking their power from or 
whatever, and we have like the long drawn like thing of the kids saying Digi Armor Energize every time. It just and takes they say forever. It weird and and they say it weird. They say it weird forever. and in a way that makes it a longer word to say. Yeah, which is double insult. Um. So after the that. Rachelmon and Digmon are fighting the hordes while Pegas- Pegasusmon and uh, Nefertimon are fighting Shogun Geckomon while Ninjamon and Shurimon resume their duel. Um, so Pegasusmon and, and Nefertimon can't quite take on Shogun Geckomon on their own, so they trick him into blowing up the control spire, um, which allows Rachelmon and Digmon to uh, to take him down, knock him out, um, but it turns out that Ninja Mom was just a dick on his own, just mm-hmm. naturally. Yeah. Just just throwing in the face of I think it was Mimi. Oh last week or somebody said recently, like, I don't think that Digimon are bad. I think it's just those dark rings and dark spirals that make them bad. Like, mm-hmm. no, Ninja Mon's just an asshole. Like he's yeah. he's just like he's antagonistic and he's a and he's a cheat and he's like yeah. he's a ninja that which, you know, question mark on their understanding of like yeah. ninjas versus shoguns versus samurais and versus yeah. like all those different like subculture like Japanese warrior cultures and things but like yeah yeah. You got two kinds of Edo era Japanese tropes. You got <laughs> samurais and you got ninjas. Anytime samurais are out trying to have a good time, <laughs> along come some ignorant ass ninjas. They gotta ruin it for them. Uh, but he's just—he's a cheat. He has no like honor or respect. Um, but they continue their fight. Shuriman kicks his ass. Um, and Yoli has weird feelings towards... Now that Hawkmon has a vaguely uh, humanoid form that yeah. she can't see its face, <laughs> Yo- Yoli is down bad now yeah, for it's weird. Shurimon. And Have I told you that you're the coolest guy I've ever met? Right. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. So yeah, you can do with that what you what you want, and also hopefully nothing. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully nothing. Although I'm sure there's plenty of Rule Thirty Four out Ugh. there for that. They're children. <laughs> uh, and then they all work together to destroy the the spiral on Shogun Gekomon, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Wormon rubs Ken's face in his defeat. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Which I'm kind of I'm glad for it a little bit. Where yeah. mine taking a little power back, like you master, they they foiled your plans again. Don't you just hate that? <laughs> oh, please don't punish me, master. <laughs> I would hate it. I would hate it so much. Oh no! Oh, he's got the rod again. Oh. Oh man, <laughs> master, um, I'm just quivering from your power. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but Ken says they have. They're not ready for his for his master plan. Yeah. They have no idea what's coming for them because the writers haven't thought of it yet. Yes, um, and that's the conclusion of the of the episode. So, um, so yeah, let's. Uh, what what do you, any words? New words. New yeah, words. Yeah, we had some good some good lines this time. Uh, I think Yoli is trying to call her brother an alien in this scene, like when she's being, uh, uh, you know, sort of scolded for watching TV or. You know, she's she's like looks like my space has been invaded <laughs> to her older brother, which she apparently has. I don't I didn't I don't know if we've heard reference to him yet, but mm-hmm. he's blonde and tan for some reason. Like completely looks like another 
yeah. uh, person altogether. It's it's Willis. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay, so uh, yeah, uh, Shogun Gekamon says of uh, them fighting against the Digimon Emperor that it's like uh, facing him is like a piccolo going against a tuba. <laughs> now, uh, I get what he's trying to say. You know, a piccolo like sound would easily be uh overplayed by a tuba but uh in terms of like wanting to hear it <laughs> <laughs> piccolo i would put above tuba just personally just personally yeah no, I, yeah i feel that i'm listening to like a uh, solo piece of music not too many tuba solos have really <laughs> grabbed me throughout the years that's all i'm saying uh yeah the floramon that attacked the uh the kids mm-hmm. um Make an allusion to hay fever. <laughs> they they say our pollen will make hay fever look like allergies or something like that. I didn't. Get, that was a paraphrase. I didn't get the exact words because right. they they just like immediately introduce both of the antagamon mm-hmm. and they they both have really dumb names and really stupid things that they say. Um, yeah. Uh, they go through a manhole cover in mm-hmm. <laughs> as they point out Edo era Japan. This shouldn't be possible. Right. And then Cody, for some reason, like he's an authority on this, is like, this is the digital world. Anything can happen here. Right. Which is just like, yeah, this is the digital world. Our writers can decide that anything can happen here. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, that is, though, like... It's I mean, an I interest- it. it. makes sense. No, it, for it, sure. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but sure. like... But uh, it it makes sense in the way it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, but that is like a, an aesthetic thing with the first season like the the classic example would be the phone booths on the beach yeah. kind of thing like that we haven't seen as much this season of yeah, like that like, like bleed between the yeah. worlds yeah um it may be that the digital worlds like was in more of an existential threat in the first series as opposed to now it's like a literal like manifest threat right of like a of human but I, I'm I'm sorry to inter- interrupt the no the no, words. It's all good. Um, let's see, we've got uh, <laughs> this gem. Uh, most of them would rather toss a salad instead. Which, yeah, <laughs> again, it's just it's just time has taken that one <laughs> from us. Um, Shogun Gekumon's uh, ability is called musical fists, which I just like that mm-hmm. as an idea. Um, and. Uh, yeah, we already talked about Yoli saying, have I ever told you you're the coolest guy I've ever met to a uh, uh, faceless <laughs> <laughs> Shurimon, who she's known for probably the combined equivalent of about 10 minutes. Right. Um, yeah. That's it for, uh, yeah. Uh, for this week's Potent Potables. A faceless ex-bird, question mark, samurai, yeah. question mark, with... Uh, which, yeah, Shurikens she's, for hands. She's on, basically on saying springs. that. Yeah. She, I mean, Shurimon is very cool. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, but, he is very uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkmon, who's like the main person she hangs out with yeah. in the context of Shurimon, <laughs> is decidedly uncool. He's like later on that later on that Ooh, night. My. <laughs> later, <kinda> that. <laughs> later on that night, Hawkmon just being like, so are we going to talk about what happened? <laughs> <laughs> So, she's like, I was talking to Sherryman, not right. to you, Hawkman. Right. Oh, but um, I am Sherryman. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't look like it to me. <laughs> oh, uh. oh, bother! <laughs> He's Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> 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 uh, 
it's it's like and I, I think that uh the abridged series leans into this a lot, but like in a b- better or more mature anime, um, Yu-Gi-Oh would lean into like Taya having the hots for for Yami, but but just not Yugi. for not Yugi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, it's our. So you got a few Antagamon. Let's yeah. d- the hordes, the Floormon and the Mushroommon. Um, Are they anything? They're not really. Um, um, they say some kind of fun shit whenever they show up, but right. I would put them in like C tier, I guess. Uh, it's not Dell. It's uh, HP. HP. Yeah. Okay. Hewlett Packard. Um. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. There's really, really nothing there, but there's I guess enough. Um. Th- the um. No, Ninjamon. How about him? Ninjamon. Uh, mm. I like his design. His voice is very grating, though. Yeah. He's also not, like, shitty in a fun way. Where he's right. Like, he's not doing bits and stuff. He's yeah. just kind of, like, insecure and an asshole from the first time we see him. The, the fact that he, the, that he does have, like, an antagonizing personality, even without the ring... Makes him more interesting to yeah. me, even if that personality sucks. Yeah, that sounds like B tier. That's kind of where I'm. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Um, so he's a he's a Lenovo. Lenovo. Um, and uh, Shogun Gekomon. So Shogun Gekomon. Yeah, we are led to believe that this Shogun Gekomon is, in the fact, our the same one as the as the first. Mm season yeah um and he he's pretty far down like he's in the yeah. bottom of last season like bottom 20 he just makes music puns and sleeps yeah exactly which, you know uh maybe this is a little uh flashes of shinji a little self-hatred that i'm, <laughs> that I'm given here but it's just not very compelling right uh yeah, he like we get more of, like his personality this season, but it makes me like him less. Yeah, like him just being just the the seeing him through the eyes of the Geckomon and him and then him just waking up and just being being pissed about getting woken up and then doing nothing to and help then doing anybody. nothing just getting knocked out. Yeah, <clears throat> um, was far more interesting. Uh, than him actually having a personality and being an amicable, if not lazy, guy, you know. So, uh, so yeah. Where would you, where would you say for yeah for Shogun Gekkoman? I guess I guess like it is it is more interesting of him to be like, uh sort of like a man who wasn't there kind of role mm-hmm. where it's like they all of the the Gekkoman just by nature of being smaller versions of him right. are like he's the leader but he's just not there <laughs> like he's just he's just asleep or he's or when he's awake he's an asshole right who doesn't help anybody so it's like kind of like how our own uh, government operates <laughs> right um but yeah uh, yeah I don't know because 
I don't know how much of that is like textual or if we're just sort of reading that into it because it seems like the the Gekamon have some reason for ad- adhering to him other than mm-hmm. what we see, which is just yeah, the, the him being bigger. But uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. What are you thinking? Um. Well, okay. In the, um, like within the spectrum of the Antagamon that mm. we've seen this episode, do yeah. you think that he is? I would say he's lower than Ninjamon. Even lower than okay. So C or D. I'll give him C because he's got something going on. Okay, for yeah, him, I would agree with that. Um, and speaking of something going on, what's going on with the uh with the egg this episode? Uh, you know, you know, you know, this one might be our first. Uh, I can't tell if it's just like again, like tonal whiplash from what we've been up to for the rest of today, right? But I'm trying to judge it on its own merits, and I don't think it's like quite a. Um, uh, rotten it's egg, but I don't. I think it's a bad egg, probably. Yeah. Just comparative to like other episodes in the in the series, it's just not doing too much. It doesn't really advance much at all. It it's just kind of like like we're st- in the same place we were mm-hmm. beforehand, and like the only thing that we really get in terms of development is Yoli being like, uh, like into Shurimon. I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. In which I don't want to. I don't want us to explore that. <laughs> I'd prefer it if the series just sort of forgot that thread. Yeah, it's it's a weird place to be in because we're ramping up towards. I thought you said raping up towards. We're raping up towards the like the final confrontation with <laughs> <laughs> with Ken, and we still have to get uh, Armadillomon's second um, second armor form, and we've met all the other kids. So it's like yeah, there's. Uh, th- there's no real point in the episode, and it's not like the episode a few weeks ago with Kari, where at least it was like we ex- explored her character and we got focused on her character. It was totally different from the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, it's just another episode where, like, it is, and there are very few episodes like this in the first series, but it's an episode where you could completely remove it, and I don't think you'd be missing anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think on that terms, it's a bad egg. Although, I will say, for 15 episodes, we have had three bad eggs, the fa- three Fabergé eggs, and the rest have been good. We haven't had a goose egg yet, and we are primarily, like, 12 out of 15 episodes have been either good or great this this season. So, yeah. it being a bad egg is not the end of, end no. of the world. Um, but... Yeah. And at the same time, I wasn't like, uh, you know, offended by any of the craft decisions. It just felt like mediocre in a way that many of these episodes haven't been. Right. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't shitty or entirely self-contradictory in a way that would have brought it down to yeah. to goose egg. It's just easily forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but. We will, well, we'll find out how 
well, next week's episode is easily forgotten when we go 20,000 digi leagues under the sea. Ooh, some Jules Verne for that ass. Mm hmm. Uh, hear us then. Goodbye.